And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Yeah. All real man. Love is, is love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to Green Book. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 171 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Neglia. Joining me today for this jam-packed, crazy, award season madness episode, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Dan Bayer. Let's do this, baby. Lauren LaMagna. Here we go. And Rebecca Daniel. Hi, everyone. So, first things first, um, I want to just set the agenda right off the bat here for what it is that we are going to talk about. You guys know I'm very interested in what it is you were all catching up on at the cinema and such, but we're going to axe that this week um, because we have so much ground that we have to cover. Um, We're going to be talking about all the awards that announced this week. We're going to be talking about our preview for the awards happening the following week. We got three trailers to talk about here, including No Time to Die, Black Widow, and The Assistant. We're going to go over the polls. We're going to answer fan questions. We're going to deep dive right now, right here. We're going to start off first and foremost with the Gotham Independent Film Awards uh, were held on Sunday evening. Um, I got to go there in person, which was quite an experience, uh, to say the least. I had an amazing time. Um, I, I could tell, I could sit here and tell you all about you know, my individual experience that I had there and like the little things that popped up and such. But the one big takeaway for me when all was said and done was when I went around the room and I asked everyone, what movies this year did you like? Literally every single person said Parasite. Every single one. I love it. (laughs) They mentioned other things, you know, along with it. But Parasite was mentioned by every single person I spoke to. And I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, not only have they all seen it, but they, it's like literally at the top of like everybody's list. So that was pretty crazy. Uh, all right. So Gotham winners themselves I'm going through here uh, for breakthrough actor Taylor Russell in Waves uh, for breakthrough director Laura de Clermont Tonnerre for The Mustang uh, for best screenplay Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story best actor Adam Driver in Marriage Story. Best Actress, Aquafina in The Farewell. Best Documentary went to American Factory. And Best Feature went to Marriage Story. Very good night for Marriage Story. I was not expecting to them to be as all-in on Marriage Story as they did, but I probably should have because Noah Baumbach is such a New York guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would argue it's a New York movie, but that's just me. <laughs> I would also uh, argue that the biggest surprise of the evening, I, I don't know if it is a surprise, actually, because just the category could have gone any way, but Aquafina winning Best Actress for The Farewell, that movie really, really needed that, and so did she, I think, in terms of momentum right now. Exactly, especially with Lupita Nyong'o killing it in every single credit yes. category. Yeah. yeah. 
And we'll definitely get to those in uh, just a second here. Um, I also want to point out uh, this week that the Annie Awards uh, also announced their nominations. Uh, we had mentions for Frozen 2 as well as um, Toy Story 4. Uh, and then also, of course, you know, the usual players uh, showed up here. We had stuff for I Lost My Body, Weathering With You, How to Train Your Dragon. Um, so that race, I think, is really starting to shaping up a bit there in terms of what I think it's all going to come down to in the end. Uh, you know, you have other films like Abominable, like trying to get in there as well. But the animated feature category is definitely starting to uh, come together, as it were, I think. Then uh, following uh, all of that happening on uh, Sunday, uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, yeah. So then the following day, right? Yeah, following day, uh, we had the visual effects shortlist announced uh, by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. 20 films uh, are on the list. They will be narrowed down to 10 films. And then from those 10, we will get our five uh, final nominees for the Best Visual Effects Oscar. You know, of the list here, I'm not going to bore you all by going through the 20 uh, names listed, but uh, was there anything missing uh, that caught you all by surprise? Well, I know some people had said that Detective Pikachu not being on there was a little bit of a surprise because it also showed up at the Annie Awards. Uh, Another one that actually surprised me a little bit uh, was Missing Link. That wasn't on there, which was just a little surprising considering that Kubo managed to actually get nominated a couple years ago. Right. They obviously know what Leica does, and they know that visual effects goes into those films. So that was a little surprising that that didn't make the list. Sure. I think that's very surprising because the visual effects were probably my favorite part of that movie, Missing Link. Yeah. No, it's definitely, like Josh said, something that Leica um, has been doing really, really well lately and blending that into the stop motion uh, animation. And it's been recognized before. So for it to not be here, uh, you know, it's definitely a disappointment, I think, for them. They are mounting a really, really heavy campaign for Missing Link, though, and they are really gunning hard for a Best Animated Feature uh, nomination. We'll have to wait and see if it pays off for them. Uh, One uh, group this week that announced their nominations that I was kind of surprised to see so many people put a lot of stock into was the uh, Satellite Award nominations. Mm -hmm. Did you all see, like, you know, how people were saying that if certain people missed, like, the nominations from these guys, like, like their chances to win the Oscar were over? (laughs) I was like, wait, really? (laughs) Please. It's the freaking Satellite Awards. No, but people were taking this, like, really seriously. That's all. I, I was definitely like, wait, really? We're, we're talking in this manner right now? <laughs> you know? Uh, but the interesting thing about their nominations this year was that they split the categories up uh, between drama, comedy, and musical, which I'm not a fan of. I don't like it. I actually think it uh, makes it even less relevant, if I'm being completely honest there. Yeah. Well, they used to actually split that up in the supporting categories, too. So at least they consolidated that. At least. So, you know, it's like the, the, the day will come where we'll have like screenplay nominees be categorized by drama, comedy, musical, and then it's like all, all hell will break loose. Wouldn't put it past them. Oh, man. Speaking of all hell breaking loose right now, uh, the National Board of Review. <laughs> the over 100-year-old uh, group, a New, uh, New York-based uh, people, no one knows who they are exactly, filmmakers, academics – professionals within the industry and you know they they've been around for a long time i guess that's why we you know take them pretty seriously 
Uh, but they're also usually the first ones to announce uh, their winners uh, for the precursors. So there's a lot that really goes into them, I think, from a hype standpoint. But let's go through the list here and let's see what they uh, mentioned. NBR Freedom of Expression Award goes to Just Mercy. NBR Freedom of Expression Award, the uh, second one, goes to Forsama. Uh, the NBR Icon Award goes to Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino. I, I believe Joe Pesci also might have been mentioned in there. I, I don't know. Um, or maybe not because he – I don't know. Yeah. I don't have him listed here for some reason. Uh, Outstanding Achievement in Cinematography went to Roger Deakins for 1917. Best Ensemble, Knives Out. Best Documentary, Maiden. Best Foreign Language Film, Parasite. Best Animated Feature, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Best Directorial Debut for Melina Matsukis for Queen and Slim. Breakthrough Performance, Paul Walter Hauser for Richard Jewell. Adapted Screenplay, Stephen Zalian, The Irishman. Best Original Screenplay, Josh Safdie, Benny Safdie, and Ronald Bronstein for Uncut Gems. Best Supporting Actress, Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell. Best Supporting Actor, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best Actress, Renee Zellweger for Judy. Best Actor, Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. Best Director, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Best Film goes to The Irishman. What do we think here? Well, good news for The Irishman. Continue yeah. to be a nice yeah. You know, I said this last year. Do you guys, I don't know if you guys recall this, but do you remember me saying, uh, you know, the National Board of Review has not lined up with Best Picture since 2008 for Slumdog Millionaire. So whatever wins National Board of Review for Best Picture is not going to go on to win the Oscar for Best Picture. And I think we all like breathed a sigh of relief when it was Green Book. (laughs) (laughs) So now the question is, after, you know, what was a 10-year gap there uh, with National Board of Review correlating uh, to Best Picture, I mean... Yeah, it's good for the Irishman, but I'm of the thinking that it's bad, actually. Well, it gives that movie a nice profile very early, which is good but for it. Th- that's what I mean. That's the bad part. You don't want to well, be the front runner right now. Well, because can the Irishman sustain that level of momentum over the next, yeah. you know, couple of weeks? I'd say if any film in this race can, it's the Irishman. Yeah, I think yeah. the difference though is you don't want to be the front runner before everything starts, yeah. and we really didn't have one, so. Yeah, I would call The Irishman in a bit of a frontrunner status right now, but it's more organically forming than just, oh, everybody's just saying it's the frontrunner. That's true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to mention, too, their top 10 films were 1917, Dolomite Is My Name, Ford v. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Richard Jewell, Uncut Gems, and Waves. Uh, this is going to be important, so uh, keep this in mind for later on when we're discussing other uh, top 10 films. Top five best foreign language films were Atlantics, Invisible Life, Pain and Glory, Portrait of Lady on Fire, and Transient. Uh, people uh, are constantly saying this all the time. They're like, why is Parasite not listed? Well, it's because it won foreign language mm-hmm. film. And that's something that we'll see some critics groups do every now and then. If they give the foreign language film prize to Parasite, some groups have a rule where then it can't win best picture, you know? So... That's stuff to always keep in mind there. Um, Top five documentaries were American Factory, Apollo 11, The Black Godfather, Rolling Thunder, uh, Review, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese, and Wrestle. I haven't even heard of Wrestle, honestly. So that was interesting. I I was like, I I might need to seek that out. And then the top 10 independent films were The Farewell, Give Me Liberty, A Hidden Life, Judy, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, Midsummer, The Nightingale, The Peanut Butter Falcon, The Souvenir, and Wild Rose. All around, fun group of winners. Mm-hmm. Definitely kick things off 
in a very uh, predictable uh, sort of a way. You know, like the Renee Zellweger showing up for Judy, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the Warner Brothers love for Richard Jewell. <laughs> yeah, but no Warner Brothers love for Joker, which I thought was interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there might be more to come. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so like I said, hang on to those uh, top 10 films there that National Board of Review announced because uh, – there were a lot of lists uh, released this week from a lot of groups. And I think that it is important when trying to figure out what is the correlation to um, a consensus, if you will, for uh, Best Picture. I think looking at which films place the most in these uh, different uh, lists is very, very important to keep an eye out for. Uh, Let's head over to the other New York uh, group, the New York Film Critics Circle. Very prestigious group. They were very... New York Film Critics Circle this year. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. I loved when they, I, I just love it. I, I love that they have an identity for themselves in terms of like the types of films and uh, performances they've rewarded in the past. And I love that they're consciously like kind of aware of that, I I, I think, when they're voting. And I, that definitely continued here. So uh, special awards went to Indie Col- uh, Collect and Randy Newman. Uh, best first film went to Atlantics, which... Who has seen Atlantics yet? It's on Netflix right now. Has everyone seen it? I haven't. No. No, I'll be watching it probably later tonight. It's really interesting. It's like four different genres all in one. It's it's pretty I don't want to spoil anything, but it's definitely it definitely goes in directions you would not expect. Uh best foreign language film goes to Parasite. Uh best nonfiction film goes to Honeyland. Best animated feature went to I Lost My Body. Uh Best Cinematography went to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. At this point, it was like, holy shit, it's like all foreign language uh, films are winning the awards right now. This is awesome. Uh, Best Supporting Actor uh, went to Joe Pesci for The Irishman. A huge win for him. Best Supporting Actress uh, went to Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Best Actor, speaking of huge wins and a boost, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. And then we were all considering at that point, well, what's going to happen with Best Actress? And then sure enough, Lupita Nyong'o for us, which was like... I can't even begin to tell you all the elation. Oh, man, that was a great moment. Best screenplay went to Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best director went to Benny and Josh Safdie for Uncut Gems. And best film went to The Irishman again. What did we think of the New York Film Critics Circle's uh, choices this year? Felt very New York Film Critics Circle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally, it's... It's literally the definition of the New York film scene. Yeah. Which I love. And like, I love that, like, Portrait of Lady on Fire got best cinematography. And we've just seen things mm-hmm. that aren't, that, yes, they're in the talk, but they're never the front runner, except for, like, the obvious, like, The Irishman. But I love seeing, you know, Lupita getting it as well as, like, other things. I love seeing Banderas getting it, which he needed that push, like, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I just love, I love the New York critics group so much. I'm, always interested in seeing what they do but yeah irishman is still pulling strong definitely i mean i definitely was on the lookout for the the films that also played this year at new york film festival and there were a lot of them listed here irishman being one pain and glory marriage story portrait of lady on fire parasite atlantics so uh there was definitely like a bit of a correlation here benny and josh safty winning director for uncut gems is interesting because as we uh, mentioned before they also won awards at uh national board of review mm-hmm. and adam sandler uh won the best actor award uh from them as well so that film 
even though it didn't win anything at the Gotham Awards, uh, got a really, really, really big boost uh, from the critics in the early days here, where now uh, one development that happened this week, we learned that Uncut Gems is no longer going comedy musical at the Golden Globes anymore. It's going drama, which... I know it's bit of a, a bit more of a struggle. Like it, a nomination is not a given anymore now for it. But if Adam Sandler can crack the drama lineup at the Golden Globes, that's huge. That's a win for them. Very big. So we'll get into that in a little bit when we talk Golden Globes. Uh, in terms of the lists I was mentioning before uh, for this year's uh, films, the AFI announced their top 10 films of 2019. The list included The Farewell, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Knives Out, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Richard Jewell, with a special award given to Parasite, which Roma won the year before. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that I think most people kind of pointed out that maybe the biggest omission here was Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest uh, takeaway, though, is the inclusion of Knives Out um, mm -hmm. and Richard Jewell because uh, the both of those showed up at National Border Review and also at AFI. And Knives Out in particular is doing better than any of us expected, I think, probably at the box office. I don't know about the box office, but it's certainly doing better than I expected from critics groups. That, uh, no, I, I always thought critics would go for this, probably. It was sort of one of those, like, I think they should, but I didn't think they actually would. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I mean, in the in the way that it has, like, it's shown up on a lot of top ten lists so far, and I was not expecting that. Yeah. Um, I will say that I am starting to – I am starting to come around to the idea that it might indeed be in the best picture conversation, where before I wasn't even considering it. Yeah, same. And it still could go that way where it's just like a screenplay, maybe a tech nomination in the end. But no, I think that Knives Out is definitely playing harder than any of us anticipated. Yeah, like it, ha you have to consider it for Best Picture now. Whereas before I was like, maybe, maybe, but probably not. And now it's like, no, it's solidly in the hunt. Yeah, I would wait until it gets something like SAG or something from a major guild before I would go quite into that territory yet. But I agree that it's in a stronger position than it was. We'll, we'll get to Golden Globe and SAG nominations in a little bit here <laughs> where I'm sure Knives Out is probably going to come up in conversation. Um, there were other various critics groups that announced uh, this week. I'm not going to go into them necessarily, but one that I will point out because we are a New York-based uh, podcast is I will shout out New York Film Critics Online really quick here. Um, they chose for their top 10 films of 2018, 1917, The Farewell, Hustlers, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Two Popes. Best Breakthrough Performance went to Calvin Harrison Jr. for Loose and Waves. Yes. Thank you, somebody, for acknowledging him. Best Supporting Actress goes to Laura Dern for Marriage Story, who, as of right now, is leading uh, that category with three wins from Atlanta, uh, New York Film Critics Circle, and New York Online Film Critics. Joe Pesci, Best Supporting Actor, picked up another win from another New York uh, group. He's now won New York Film Critics Online and New York Film Critics Circle. Best Screenplay went to Parasite. Cinematography goes to Roger Deakins for 1917. 
I imagine you can expect to hear uh, 1917 raking up the cinematography wins from critics groups this year. Uh, Best use of music went to Rocket Man, uh, which was a bit of a surprise, but uh, a a welcome one, I I thought. Best debut director. This was definitely a surprise. Uh, This went to uh, Lila Avalis. Am I saying that right? I hope I'm saying that right. For The Chambermaid. Yeah. Which, you know, of all the debut direct uh, directorial, um, for all the directorial debuts this year, um, that's one that is not at the top of everyone's, you know, like the tip of their tongue, you know? Yeah. You have to really like dig deep, I think, for that one. So that was a really, really inspired choice, I yeah. thought. Very much so. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Best Director went to Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Lupita Nyong'o, once again, showing up in New York with uh, her win for Us. She's now won New York Film Critics uh, Circle and New York Film Critics Online. Joaquin Phoenix won his first award of the season uh, for Best Actor for Joker. Best Ensemble went to Knives Out. Best Documentary, Apollo 11. Best Animated Feature, I Lost My Body, which also won at New York Film Critics Circle. Uh, So that film definitely got, I thought, a really big boost this week as well. Best Foreign Language Film, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I think France is going to regret <laughs> of the decision to uh, push Les Miserables forward when it sees how much Portrait of a Lady on Fire uh, wins uh, throughout the next couple of weeks. And Best Picture went to so. Parasite. I don't know about France, you know, rethinking its Les Miserables choice. I, I, I don't think so because even if it was Portrait of a Lady on Fire, that would not be beating Paris. No matter what, everyone's still going to lose to Parasite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's more of like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, for example, should be in the conversation for best cinematography. Don't we all agree? Oh, it yes. is. For so much more as well. Yeah. I feel like it isn't, though, because it's not being pushed away that it should now, that it's not in contention for the foreign language. It just won, like, two cinematography awards. But it's not like the number one. Like everyone just thinks about Deacons. I'll agree with that. And it's just I feel like the fact that France didn't give it that official, like that's our film that we want to go for. People aren't looking at Portrait as much as they should. And I'll agree with that. And it kind of breaks my heart. But it's the fact that it's getting some awards from the critics makes me a lot happier that because, again, it's not the major talk of the talk when we talk about stuff like cinematography, where it obviously is one of the strongest films in that that should be in that category so i want to i still have that predicted in my best cinematography i don't know if i'll see it i sh- i want to see it but i do think france not giving it that ballad hurts it yeah i'm not going to go through um all of the wins here necessarily uh the 2019 european film awards uh, were held and i just wanted to mention it because it's an excuse to bring up that the favorite is fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> i need to rewatch that soon yeah, uh, the favorite won uh, a lot of awards uh, from them for actress, director, best film. Uh, I was just like, yo, let's not forget that the favorite was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then moving on from there, uh, something interesting that keeps on, you know, developing more and more and more. Best European documentary at European Film Awards went to For Sama and earlier. Uh, well, no, last last night. Yeah. International Documentary Association held their awards where For Sama once again uh, won a documentary award uh, for Best Feature. Is it fair to say that For Sama might be the front runner right now over Apollo 11? Yeah, and I was honestly thinking 
uh, it was going to be American Factory, not Apollo 11. American Factory did win uh, another director award, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is shocking, kind of. It's that, still like, in play. I, yeah. I would say right now Apollo 11 for some and American Factory are like duking it out for frontrunner status right now. Yeah, I would say those are really the top contenders. Maybe Maiden could be kind of sneaking in there too, but I do definitely think that Forsama is really getting the critical uh, appreciation right now, which I find kind of interesting, and I'm really interested to see where that's going to take in the future. Yeah, and also let's not forget Honeyland has showed up a lot over the last week, Uh and maybe not necessarily with the big wins for Best Feature, um, it did win from New York Film Critics Circle um, an award there, but mentions-wise, uh, that's one that just keeps on popping up. And we all know to take Apollo 11 with a grain of salt just over the fact that it is majority original footage, which we know that direct documentary branches mm-hmm. aren't a fan of. Right. So even though we talk about how Apollo 11 is the front runner, all of us in the back of our mind are always like, yeah, but if something is going to snow, that's our number one that we see. It's the first thing going. Like That's why I've never had it as my front runner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's take a look at a trailer here. Let's take a bit of a break. Uh, first up, Josh Parham. We are going to talk about Bond, James Bond, <laughs> 007 Daniel Craig. He is back, and he's not dead yet. Well, you know, yet. <laughs> This one is called No Time to Die. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one. Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. The world is arming faster than we can respond. Where's 007? I need a favor, brother. You're the only one I trust for this. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. The one that works. I thought you two would get along. Name? Bond. James. Bond. So you're not dead. Hello, Q. I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose control. James, you gave up everything for her. When her secret finds its way out, It'll be the death of you. What is it? You don't know what this is. James Bond. Licensed to kill. History of violence. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Only your skills die with your body. Mine will survive long after I'm gone. History isn't kind to men who play God. Hey, 
Josh, I know you stand James Bond. I know you stand him hard. Why don't you give me your thoughts? I want to hear them. <laughs> yeah, well, this was actually a trailer that had been very much anticipated. They'd been kind of late with the promotional materials for this movie. And I, I like this trailer. It gets me excited to see the movie. Granted, I would be excited regardless, but I'm I'm interested to see where where they are going to take this story, uh, particularly since Spectre didn't really end the way that a lot of people wanted it to. And I'm I'm very fascinated to see how they will evolve the story from where they left it off at, and hopefully end Daniel Craig's run as Bond on a high note. And you know it. It's good. It's very familiar to other trailers they've released for previous Bond films, but I'm still very, very excited to check this one out. I wish I was more excited. Same, Dan. Same. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I can't work up any excitement for Bond movies. I, it's never, I've never really had a big thing for Bond movies. Um, but this did not make me change my mind at all. <laughs> I, I have a couple of I have a couple of problems here. Um, one is it's a continuation of the story from Spectre, which, as Josh said, was a disappointing uh, film. And this bloody cursed movie is going to make me have to revisit Spectre probably before I watch No Time to Die, which I'm not looking forward to now. Um, but on top of that, I just didn't think it was a well cut trailer in terms of momentum. Uh, big beats. I, I thought the most effective moment was uh, the Rami Malek uh, mask reveal. And other than that, though, it, as a trailer, like and just in terms of like putting a trailer together, it didn't hook me the way that I expected or wanted it to. Well, I think for me, the other thing that I noticed about this trailer is that it is very similar to the trailers to like Spectre and Skyfall because I watch those trailers quite frequently myself. So (laughs) it definitely has like a familiar beat to it. And I agree with you that maybe from a marketing standpoint, it's not very creative, but I think in terms of the imagery that it's presenting, you know, the, uh, the line of Sandgren cinematography looks very intriguing to me. And I, I also grant you like, yes, continuing stuff from Spectre with those characters in particular didn't excite me initially, but I also think that there could have been a more predictable way for them to go about it. And it actually looks like they might be introducing some more conflicts in there that I that I wasn't really expecting. So from that perspective, I'm kind of interested to see how they might go about that continuation in a slightly different way. Well, we'll have to see when the movie comes out. But at least for right now, I think there's a potential for them to do something a little bit different. I am excited for V, and I know we've seen this before, but I am excited to see the uh, Dr. Hannibal Lecter-esque, you know, plot device of Christoph Waltz, you know, who they're going to use to obviously <laughs> help track down Rami Malek's character. At least that's what I got from the trailer, at least. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean... As much as Christoph Waltz Inspector didn't make a huge impression on me necessarily, I am still excited to see him. Uh, he's an actor that always intrigues me every time he's on screen. So even though I didn't feel like he was properly utilized before, I mean, we have Carrie uh, Fukunaga directing this one. So maybe with a stronger script, co-written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge under Carrie Fukunaga's direction, there might be um, some stuff here that could elevate this film. I think thematically, emotionally, um, you know, visually, it's not going to ever measure up to what like Deacons was able to achieve with Skyfall, for example. 
but hopefully in terms of the story, um, I, I have a feeling I have a feeling this is definitely going to be a stronger movie overall um, and might maybe I don't know, but could rise up to the level of like Casino Royale, hopefully. I mean, maybe I Casino Royale is a very, very high bar. To, oh, yeah, to I know. To. I, I don't know if we'll quite get there. I would be happy with something like Skyfall. Like Skyfall is a thoroughly solid, entertaining Bond film. And if we can end Daniel Craig's run some, with something like that. I will be completely satisfied. Also, too, uh, a Knives Out reunion already this soon between Daniel Craig and <laughs> Anna de Armas. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fire and guns Girls having a year. <laughs> I, I'm so, so happy for her. So happy. And also, too, uh, Lashana Lynch, right? Yep. Yeah. Who is uh, really like basically playing 007, who kind of like takes over after he retires at the beginning of the film. And maybe when he dies at the end of the film, she'll take over permanently. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, he's not going to die. <laughs> I am I am literally 90% confident that he is going to die. They are going to pull a Logan on that us. That would be a really awesome policy move. I don't think they'd do that. They're going to kill James Bond, do you think so? I mean... I they would. You don't think that based on the title? They, well, you know what they could do? They might play around with it and pull a cop out like they did with Dark Knight Rises, maybe. I think they're really going to try to compete to kick off the summer season and try to steal that away from Marvel. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to do that, I could see that move happening. That would be really ballsy. I never thought about that until now, but um, maybe. Just take the no out, you know, Dr. No, <laughs> just take no out and then it's just called time to die. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that's my prediction as of today. So uh, you all can hopefully remember this when the film comes out and uh, we'll we'll see if I was right. <laughs> And to everybody out there, get ready for me to just basically be standing this movie until it comes out, because I'm not into Star Wars, not into Marvel, but this is where it is for me. So apologies in advance. This is this is Mm -hmm. Josh's uh, big franchise. I I totally understand what you mean, man. Uh, That's actually a good segue. Maybe we should talk about the other uh, franchise, the MCU, what's going on with Marvel right now. We have another trailer to talk about. Um, it is the trailer for the much-anticipated, long-overdue standalone movie for Black Widow, starring Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, and that guy from Stranger Things. Josh, this is my James Bond. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's take a look at the trailer for this one and give our thoughts. I used to have nothing. Nothing lasts forever. I heard you had to leave in a hurry. It's never easy these days. So what are you going to do? I've lived a lot of lives, but I'm done running from my past. I know you're out there. I know you know I'm out here. So we're going to talk like grown-ups? Is that what we are? It's good to see you too, sis. What brings you home? We have unfinished business. We have to go back to where it all started. 
lucky us. One thing's for sure. It's gonna be a hell of a reunion. Still fits. Family. Back together again. You got fat. I don't know what it was this week, but I, I am I am also looking forward to this movie the same way I am, No Time to Die, but I thought this was yet another badly cut together trailer. I liked the trailer. Again, I just maybe just because I literally have zero idea what this movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's such a mystery. They won't tell us much about it. But maybe just like it just seems big and small at the same time. It doesn't seem like a typical Marvel movie. Maybe just because we're so used to Avengers two years in a row and then really big things like Spider-Man and then Captain Marvel. This seems very much grounded in one, I'm not going to say normal environment, but just one constant environment with not exceptionally super humans. They're just spies, with the exception sure. of Harbor. But um, it's... Yeah, it's dark, it's gritty. Again, completely juxtaposed No Time to Die. When I, Because I think we started with Black Widow, which is very grimy and dark and messy, and then we got to this really posh spy movie. So that was interesting seeing those two trailers come out extremely close together. I'm just really excited for this movie, probably because I have actually been waiting 10 years for this movie. Sure, yeah. yeah. I agree. <laughs> I mean, I will say that I really, really liked the opening I liked uh, the interaction with Florence Pugh, um, the hand-to-hand combat. All of that was fantastic. I was really, really digging everything about this trailer. And then once, like, David Harbour got introduced yeah. into it and he puts on this, like, costume and everything, I- I- I'm just like, now here comes the Marvel silly stuff. And-, and and then all of a sudden now it's like, oh, it's another typical Marvel film and it's another typically put-together uh, Marvel trailer. Although they didn't do a, a comedy bit. At the very, very end, they always do a comedy bit at the end of all of their trailers all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's that also that shot of her flying through the sky, like parachuting or something. I don't know what she's doing there. She halo diving. Yeah. Sure. But it was just like it was too much. I'm looking for a gritty, realistic. Give me like Jason Bourne or even Casino Royale style like action where it's just hard hitting up close. You know, like that's why I like the Florence Pugh stuff. But then when you said before, Lauren, it got big, I just was like, my brain just immediately was like, oh, oh man, no. Still looking forward to it. I still want to watch it. But I I don't want it to be like every other Marvel film. I want it to really try its best to be something different. I I hate to say this, but I have gotten this vibe for a while now, and this trailer has done nothing to allay this fear. But I just feel like Scarlett Johansson is done with this role. You think? Like, I get, I got no, <laughs> I, I'm getting nothing from her in this trailer. Mm. I've got nothing from her in this role for a while, actually. It is considered um, like a extended teaser, isn't it? No, it's just a normal teaser, they say. Yeah, they're so they're not revealing like. Well, like it is two minutes, yeah. Yeah, they're not revealing like a tremendous amount with this necessarily. I know where you, I know where your head's at there, Dan. I, I definitely hear you because honestly, like I also didn't get the sense of a quote unquote performance from her in this, other than like what we are accustomed to seeing her do already in all these other movies before. 
But then there's the news of her hiring the director. Then there's the news of her firing the screenwriter, then choosing another one because she didn't like the story and her being the first actor to actually produce a Marvel film. Like, that's never happened before. And she chose the actors. And she's very invested in it. So yeah. I don't get the sense that she's over it. I mean, I feel like she's definitely invested for sure. Literally, I, I don't doubt the quality that quality of the performance. No, I, I, yeah, I don't doubt that she's personally invested and she's definitely going to give it her all. I just don't think the trailer highlighted maybe her yeah. best moments, if that maybe makes because sense. Maybe it's teasing and the character itself is a very subtle, dry humor sort of a situation. Yeah, sort of a totally. Character. Can totally understand that. So that's probably with the tease sort of a situation because there's probably this whole big story that they don't want us to know this early right. in the game. Yeah, Marvel is very protective of their spoilers, of course, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, this trailer needed more Rachel Vice, as far as I was concerned, too. Everything could use her. Everything. <laughs> yeah. If you get a Rachel Vice in your movie, you better use her. Hey, everyone. I'm Aaron. And I'm Patrick. And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast, a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit. Yes, sir. Talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning, and you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film. Moving on now uh, from this, uh, let's go over the polls. Uh, so last week, we did a bit of a temperature check with everybody. We asked everyone, uh, which film do they think will be the next Best Picture Oscar winner? We asked this question right before the madness of the award season was about to begin. Obviously, now we've heard from a couple of critics groups. More critics groups are announcing. I mean, literally today, we've got... Los Angeles Film Critics, Critics' Choice Award nominations are happening pretty soon. Um, we're going to have other regional critics groups announce. It's uh, it's all just coming in hot, you know? So let's see what the world thinks right now. Uh, let's take a look and see. Top 10. Number 10 is Bombshell. Number 9 is Avengers Endgame. Number 8 is Little Women. Number 7, Jojo Rabbit. Number 6... 1917. Number five is Joker. Hmm. <laughs> Hell on earth, people. Hell on <laughs> earth if that happens. <laughs> Number four is Marriage Story. Number three is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number two is Parasite. And number one is The Irishman. <laughs> I definitely think that sounds about right that right makes now. That sense for right now. That sounds accurate. Yeah. yeah. It really does feel to me right now, like today, that Best Picture really feels like it's going to be a fight between Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I keep getting this feeling that Parasite could rise up in between the two of them and just shove them both to the side, you know? You I don't think, think of Parasite. You don't think it's going to happen, Rebecca? I don't. Now, is it because of the foreign language I aspect? I or see it becoming like a humongous like Best Picture contender for some reason. Mm. Oh, I, I disagree. I think difficult. if you need to, if you're thinking best picture, you must include Parasite in that. I agree. I, I'm, I just don't know about the win. Yeah, I think everybody's a little hesitant so on that, I, especially when I don't think that the actors are going to get nominated, and that's as we all have seen time and time again. That's a really important thing for a film to have, and if it wants to win best picture. 
Yeah. And it's my one, it's the one thing that I'm nervous about for my predicted winner in 1917, you know? Well, there is a world where George McKay, you know, can rise up. I mean, like, there's a world where George McKay gets like a BAFTA mm-hmm. uh, nomination for actor. He doesn't get Golden Globe, doesn't get SAG. And they swing him in the British people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a world. Could happen. There's a world where Neon wakes up and starts campaigning for Song Kang Ho. <laughs> <laughs> he has been the focus of a few FYC targeted ads. So, but they I need mean. To get him out there. They need to. Ads are not going to do shit. The only reason that Yelitsa Aparicio and Marina de Tavira got in last year was because they were everywhere. Yeah. Let's see if he gets a Critics Choice nomination and supporting actor today. If he does, that'll be, I think, a sign to Neon and a, hopefully a swift kick in the ass that they need to do what you're saying, Dan. Mm-hmm. All righty. Now, an end of the decade poll. Uh, I actually uh, admit wholeheartedly that I uh, put this up a little bit too late uh, during the week. So there wasn't maybe enough time necessarily uh, to get these uh, votes in. But we still got a pretty good turnout of votes all around. Uh, we had over 900 votes for people's favorite documentary of the decade. What a decade it was for documentary films. I feel like we had such a surge in popularity for documentaries this past decade because of things like Netflix, because of MoviePass. Remember new MoviePass people? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how could I forget? It's been been very, very great to see uh, this... This level of filmmaking get acknowledged the way that it has. It's definitely warms my heart uh, for sure. Yours truly even saw his first documentary in a movie theater this year. So <laughs> of this decade, rather. So already looking at the list. Here we go. Number 10 is Amy. Mm. Number nine is Blackfish. Number eight is The Act of Killing. Number seven is Three Identical Strangers. Number six is OJ Made in America. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I, I hear you, Dan. I hear you. Number five is Apollo 11. Number four is Minding the Gap. Yes. Oh, yes. Happy that made the top five. <laughs> Number three is 13th. Number two is Free Solo. And number one is Won't You Be My Neighbor. Yeah, I figured that was going to be number one. It's just, it bothers me because for all the love that movie got and it is not transferring over to Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is spectacular. It is so good. My gosh. It bothers me. It bothers me so much. Yeah. I can understand your your pain, Dan. Can you, Matt? Can you? <laughs> yeah, I've had my fair share of Oscar heartbreaks over the years. Come on, you know. We know what you're going through. We've all been there. I'm just teasing. Man, I'm telling you, if Lighthouse doesn't get the nomination for DeVoe today from Critics' <laughs> Choice, I will cry. <laughs> uh, we'll for see the, what happens. For our listeners at home, uh, there's your drinking game cue for every time Dan brings up a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I will not stop. 
Nor should you. We got to get our listeners drunk. (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm Dean. And I'm Daniel. And we're from the IMDb Journey podcast. Where we break down every movie from the top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. But when we're not doing that, we also battle other podcasts in various movie-related games of trivia and drafts. We also give quick reviews about every other film we've watched as well. Yeah, here we're quite good too. Yeah, if you guys don't believe us, why don't you listen to these genuine testimonies? Oh, hey guys, you guys are really good. I love your chemistry. Oh, hey, Brew, it's uh, this is a this is a good podcast, yo. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, love the banter, guys. Keep it up. I'm DB Jenny. Is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic testimonies. Oh, thanks, guys. Absolutely genuine and real. <laughs> and if you want to give a genuine testimony as well, go ahead and search for IMDb Journey. You can find us on all your favorite podcast sites, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So come along and join our journey. Uh, moving on now from the polls, uh, we are now going to talk about the Golden Globes and the SAG Awards predictions i hope you all have them in front of you yeah no (laughs) let's give it a shot let's let's try our best let's see how this goes all right we'll start off with the golden globes okay golden globes best foreign language film uh why don't we start off with dan dan what do you have there and Sure, start off with me. Um, no, I this one is actually pretty easy. I have Pain and Glory. Mm-hmm. I have Parasite. Mm-hmm. I have Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yep. I have, <laughs> in a twist, I also have Les Miserables. Okay, and okay. my fifth choice is Invisible Life. I have the first four. Um, instead of Invisible Life... I have Beanpole. I could see that. I have Atlantics, The Farewell, because I read it was being considered foreign language for the Globes. Um, and then Pain and Glory, Parasite, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Are we? Oh, hold on. I, I think you're right about Farewell, but did, did anybody else read up on that? Clarification-wise? I don't know. I read that it was being considered. Yeah, I thought it was in yeah. the foreign language category. Um, okay, because I because I don't have it listed, and that's because I was uns- I was unsure. Yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, I probably should have included it. Honestly, I think the thing we were unsure about was whether it was like comedy or drama for the acting yeah, categories. But yeah. I'm pretty sure they declared that it was a foreign language film, therefore making it ineligible for like the best picture category. In that case, I'm taking Bean Pole out, and I'll hedge my bets and put the farewell in there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good decision. Put that in there too. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm doing. So, uh, Rebecca, good call there. Thank you, uh, Lauren. Did you have anything different? No, all of mine are covered, and I do have the farewell at the top. And actually, number two, I have Parasite going for me. I was gonna say, I was like, whoa. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn. A little earlier than usual. I got ahead of myself. It's okay. Uh, for best animated feature film, anybody want to uh, read off what they have? Um, I have Toy Story 4, Frozen 2. Um, and then I, this is a little bit old. I probably have to update this actually because I still have Weathering with You, Missing Link, and I've got Adam's Family because they, <laughs> can, they can do terrible yes. popular choices sometimes at the Golden Globes. But... And they like to Star Fuck. 
Yeah, <laughs> but I'm also now thinking that Weathering With You initially was my pick for, like, the art house animated feature to get in, but now I'm really starting to think that's going to be I Lost My Body. I, I have I Lost My Body. Um, I don't have Weathering With You in there. And as the entertainment uh, pick, I've got Abominable. I was looking at that, too. Anyone have anything different? Or, or are they all covered? Nope. That's it. I'm all covered. Is anybody predicting anything like from a snub standpoint, like anything shocking? I, you know, I think How to Train Your Dragon would be a little surprising of a snub. I don't have it predicted necessarily right now, but, you know, they've been kind to that franchise in the past. Well, yeah, because I have – hold on a second. I, I want to make sure I have this right. Oh, I don't have Missing Link. I have How to Train Your Dragon instead of Missing Link. That's why. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing about this category is that for the last two years, it has matched completely with the Oscars. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm feeling better about having Abominable in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to uh, give a crack at original song? Okay. It pains me, but I have Into the Unknown for Frozen 2, even though that's the wrong song. <laughs> Read Ryan's article, why? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Plug that in there. I have Stand Up from Harriet because I feel like they need we need to put Cynthia Revo in there. And if we're not going for actress because it looks pretty tight, we'll put her in I song. think that's a very wise choice. Then I'm going to give... And we have I'm Gonna Give Me Love Again from Rocket Man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Again, they like to starfuck, so I have Beautiful Ghost from Cats. Yeah, yeah, I do too. We're four for four right now. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the fifth one's like, I don't really know. Right now, I have um the new song from The Lion King, because it just, again, it's starfucking. Mm-hmm. But that's all I have. That's what I have right now. Those are the same ones that I have, too. I am going back and forth on the last slot, but uh, the Lion King uh, spirit track does make the most sense to me. I, I like I don't want it to happen, but it makes <laughs> yeah. sense on paper for what the Globes usually do. Yep. Yeah, that's 100 percent what the Globes would do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to get the Oscar, though. No, 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 no. God, no. Actually, right now I have um, Harriet winning as a way to give something to Sylvia Revo. Did she write the song? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does anyone have anything different than that five, or do we all have the same five? Yeah, I think, yeah. I, yeah, that's it. The only thing that I think maybe could do something is the Aladdin song, but I don't have high hopes for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca, do you want to take us through original score? Sure. I've got 1917, mm-hmm. Joker. Yep. Little Women, Marriage Story, and potentially The Rise of Skywalker. I don't think it screened in time for them. Oh, really? Does that make a difference? (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to John Williams, does that make a difference? (laughs) You know, they they did a surprise nomination for Marco Beltrami for A Quiet Place last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Ford v. Ferrari got in there. Yeah, that was good. I could Would love see that. that. Yeah. That score is great. Because otherwise, I, I have Rebecca's top four. Um, I, I was not factoring in Williams at all um, with this group. I know that they definitely set aside time to watch Cats. All right. That was <laughs> that was something that was every, everybody was wondering, is that happening? Is this they happening? Need, they need Taylor Swift to present at the Globes. <laughs> That's it. So because of that, um, I... I 
Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll throw in I'll throw in Ford v Ferrari in that fifth slot for me. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move over now to uh, screenplay. Uh, I'll take this one. God help me. Um, Cause honestly, like I, Jesus Christ, you know, like what are we gonna do here, people? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, there, there will be sacrifices. Sacrifices will be made. Um, all right, let's give it. Let's give it a crack. Let's see what happens. I, I, uh, I keep going back and forth on this a lot. FYI, uh, but I think I have finally settled on, in no particular order, Parasite, Jojo Rabbit. The Two Popes. Oh, I'm going back and forth. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because they love Quentin. And um, and I will go with... Uh, damn it. <laughs> I, I mean, like, saying marriage story sounds, like, very typical. But I can't help but feel that like... Great. But 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 I can't help but feel like there might be a surprise contender in there... Something like uh, Knives Out, for example. I'll go. I'll go with Marriage Story. Fuck it. <laughs> there we go. That's I'm the sick. exact same five I've got. All right. Anybody have anything different than those five? Little Women. Oh, yeah. okay. W- what do you have it uh, replacing? Uh, JoJo. See, now I think JoJo is going to get a boost from Golden Globes. Yeah, I'd have Agreed. it replace Knives Out from that list. I would. L- Oh, right. You you had Knives Out in? No, no, no. I was toying with the idea of it, but I, I'm just going to default to Marriage Story and Noah Bomb back in there. So I have Parasite, okay. Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jojo Rabbit, and The Two Popes. See, yeah. I Here's my – the thing is that <laughs> Jojo Rabbit's a comedy. So? I, I, I'm just – like that's the thing that gives me pause about it with this group. I, I agree that in general, I think they're going to go for it. I just mm-hmm. don't. I I don't know. I this category is is weird to me because it's one screenplay category. Oh and yeah, I don't no, know it's people are awful. Gonna, I don't know that people are going to say that Jojo Rabbit is one of the five, the the five. Yeah, but if, yeah, if you not- expand that even to eight, I think it gets in. But I, I don't know that it's going to get in there. Yeah, I, I, here, here's the thing, Dan. We're not talking about people. We're talking about the Hollywood foreign press. <laughs> well, <laughs> true, true. And Greta Gerwig is, I, I think, a bigger star than Taika Waititi. I have a feeling the Hollywood foreign press loves Jojo Rabbit. I would, I'll say this. I would love to be wrong. That's fair. <laughs> I, I'm just – I. I'm very cynical about Jojo Rabbit's chances right now because I love it, but it doesn't seem to be getting the the buzz that it deserves. All right. Josh, kicking it over to you. Best director. Who do you have? Uh, so for director, I've got uh, Sam Mendes for 1917, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Tarantino for What's Spot Time in Hollywood, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, and to continue the suspicion that Jojo's going to do well. I actually have Taika Waititi in. Oof. Okay. I have Mendes, Scorsese, and Tarantino. <sighs> My last two picks are also Taika Waititi, but Todd Phillips for Joker. Oh. No fucking no, way. No, don't <laughs> put that into the world. It, I'm not putting it into the world. Listen. 
Peter Fairley got a director nomination for Green Book last year from Critics' Choice, Golden Globe. I'm just following a similar trajectory right now in this terms of... by far is the worst part of it, though. But uh, here's the thing. I think he's going to get these early nominations. He's going to scare you all to death, as I just heard. And he's going to get a DGA nomination, but he won't get the Oscar nomination. That's the key. Uh, that's just my 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 feeling in terms of i can't help but feel like i I really just can't help but feel like there's something that's going to happen that's going to just it's not gonna be all sunshine and rainbows for us you know the point is that we need to have like some sort of a nomination in any of these categories somewhere that's going to make us roll our eyes and be like oh god no is this really happening this is the thing you know i i don't (laughs) I don't want to say like it's beyond the realm of possibility. Obviously, you have to consider every worst case scenario <laughs> going forward. But you also think that he's getting in over Bong Joon Ho. Uh, I do right now. Yeah. Okay. If Parasite is really becoming undeniable, it could totally happen. I agree. I don't know that he gets in both screenplay and director, though. I'll agree with that. Koran did. Koran did. You're right. Quran did. There was, but there was the whole like personal aspect to that screenplay that I think helped him. Yeah. And, and there's not that kind of narrative with Bong Joon Ho and Parasite. No, but the narrative for Parasite is that it's in the top it's box that to win that picture. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. I, I I agree with that. I think Greta Gerwig is going to get in. She's going to get in somewhere. I could see it. Whether it's yeah. Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, DGA, she's going to get in somewhere. I I have her for Critics' Choice. I don't have her here. Yeah, I think that, that she'd be more likely to get in for screenplay than director. Right. Yeah. yeah. So do any of us have Bombuck in? I have him in. I have him in, yeah, actually. So what's, so what's your lineup then, Lauren? I have Scorsese first. Then I have Mendez, then I have Bombac, then I have Bon Joon Ho, then Tarantino. Oh, so the five, basically. Yeah, basically. Okay. Just Rebecca, same first. thing or I have Bong Joon Ho, Greta Gerwig, Martin Scorsese, Noah Bombac, and Quentin Tarantino. Oh, Sam Mendez missing. Yeah. All right. I could maybe see that happening, yeah. I could still see like nineteen, like come Oscars nomination morning, where like nineteen seventeen gets like everything below the line and sent men misses. I mean, I would be so upset. <laughs> listen, we're uh, you know as I uh, talked about last week with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you're going to predict snubs, predict a snub. You know, if you end up being right, I mean, granted, it's a gut feeling sort of a thing, and no one really knows, but you can ride that wave for the next three hundred sixty five days if you want. Then, right, Josh. <laughs> Yes, still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, best Supporting Actress. Uh, Josh, you just a director. Dan, who do you have? <sighs> okay. I have uh, Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. Margot Robbie. I have not decided which movie yet. <laughs> this is the time. This is the time, Dan. It's time, Daniel. Does it matter which movie if I think she's getting in? <laughs> well, this is the Globes. They can just say just say bombshell. Yeah, I, I think 
I do think it's going to be Bombshell, actually. Okay. And the last two, I I go back and forth, but I think it's going to be Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit and uh, Zhao Xuzhen. That, that oh, nope, Zhao Xuzhen getting in is, ooh, the taste. I would love it. I don't have her in. I want her to get in. I think she will get in with Critics' Choice. Instead, I have Florence Pugh uh, for Little Women. I can see. I can see. I can see it. I think she's a rising star that they want to have at you know the ceremony. And because I don't have uh, uh, Little Women getting in its screenplay, I have it getting in score, and I, I have it getting in elsewhere. But uh, this is one of those categories, you know. So. Who else? Anyone else? Well, you know, something to just maybe keep in mind is that the Globes don't have the same rules when it comes to the actors in terms of getting multiple nominations in the same category. So I think there is a good possibility Margot Robbie could show up for both Bombshell and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ooh. Double. Mm. Yeah. It's happened before. Oh. Yeah. Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio did it. Mm-hmm. It's true. They don't have the same rules, so that could happen. At whose expense, Josh? I would think Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? We we think it's we think it's those six. Yeah, the Globes love to literally like eat out of the palm of these celebrities' hands. So I would like if it wasn't the Globes, I would talk about like how Lopez is kind of like falling a little bit, but they're definitely going to nominate her. So I'm not worried about that. I love that you like kind of struggled to come up with another way to stay star fucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like it is. So like I like I, there's no way I don't see her not getting a golden globe like out of all of them. Like this she's Yeah. That here. she's definitely in. <laughs> okay, for supporting actor Lauren. Okay. So number 1 See, I love Pacino, but I'm putting Pesci above right now. Just because okay. how everything's been going. So I have Pesci, then I have Pacino, then I have my wannabe boyfriend, Brad Pitt, because I love him. <laughs> and for number five, I'm still, I'm still barking on the Shia LaBeouf train. I want it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Who was number four? Pesci, Pacino. Pacino, Pitt. Pitt. Oh, wait, shit. Okay, yeah. Then I'll put Shia LaBeouf. And um, I'm going to go John Lithgow for Bombshell for five. Okay. Hmm. I I can tell you this. I do not have Pesci getting any Globes. I have Pacino getting it. I don't either. I have this feeling Pesci is a critics-only thing. Really? I have yeah. a feeling. Um, but I do have Pacino in. I have Pitt in there. This is where I think Tom Hanks gets a mention. I have him in there. I do, too. I, do too. I have Jamie Foxx in there for Just Mercy. And for the last slot... Um, uh, I'm. Uh, da, 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 uh, do Shyla. Yeah, do Shia LaBeouf. He's got to get in. He Come on. I remember Aaron Taylor Johnson. Debate amongst yourselves, and I'll come back to this in a second. Well, you know, Matt, I am actually kind of joining your craziness a little bit, and I'm actually going to say Willem Dafoe for the lighthouse. I love you, Josh. I love you so much. I'm not just when I was about to be like, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to predict it. No way. Oh, my God. Where is this coming from? What are you doing? If anyone, it's going to be Anthony Hopkins before Willem Dafoe. I I have both of them in my Uh, life right now. Do you have this? Does anyone have Taika? Um, Well, I mean, I've got like my lineup is Pitt, Pacino, Hanks, Hopkins and Dafoe. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Come on, Honey Boy is about his life. He plays his father. He puts so much into it. He so wrote much. the movie. And if he's not getting into screenplay, you gotta give him hint here. I mean, I would love for him to get nominated. <clears throat> he's fantastic I, it, in it. It seems like a very HFPA nomination, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they've even seen or liked the movie. <laughs> like, that's the biggest thing to me, like, is if they're actually going to see and like that movie. I, I agree. Guys, what about Sam Rockwell for Richard Jewell? Maybe. I, I don't. Mean, think I was thinking Kathy Bates, honestly, for supporting actress. I don't. Think I, it, it just occurred to me that yeah, we didn't mention Kathy for Bates cool. for supporting actress. I actually completely forgot about her, and I'm wondering if there is something there that AHFPA might grab onto. I might have to re. I might have to revise supporting actress to move Bates in there at the expense maybe of Florence Pugh. Whoa. Um, I won't put Rockwell in my supporting actor lineup, <laughs> but it did get me curious about. Remember, like, last year when he got in for Vice and we were like, what? That was a nothing performance. How is this happening right now? What's going on? But they loved Vice. Well, it just got me thinking, like, who is, like, a supporting actor this year in a movie where it could just be, like, a WTF, where did this come from kind of a nomination? Mm. They do like to do one of those. Right. But I would argue that Shia fits that bill. Uh-huh. You know what? I, I think I think I'm gonna do this then. Yeah, I think I'm gonna split my loyalties a little bit. I'm predicting uh, Defoe elsewhere. I will predict he misses here, and I'll put Shia in for this one. Good decision. There we go. <laughs> but uh, Josh, do you have both? Both who? Shia and Willem Defoe getting in? No, he uh, doesn't have Shia. No, okay. I don't have Shia. I have Anthony Hopkins for the two popes, which is a good call. We'll see how that that category uh, comes out. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be pretty wild. Rebecca, take us through best performance from an actress in a musical or comedy. Okay, I kind of struggled a little bit with this category. Um, it's tough. But I have Anna DeArmas in Knives Out. Yep. Aquafina in The Farewell. Yep. Uh, Beanie Feldstein in Booksmart. Mm-hmm. Constance Wu in Hustlers. Mm-hmm. And Emma Thompson in Late Night. I don't have Ooh. Beanie Feldstein. I I have all the others that you mentioned. The one thing I can see happening is I could see Kate Blanchett getting in for Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Mm. Oh, I have course. her in my lineup. Yeah, she's mine. Yeah. I, and one thing that I'm very upset by to leave off that I really, really want to put in so badly is I really, really want to put Charlize Theron for a long shot in there? It could. I could honestly see it that happen. I just don't know who. I just don't know who to take out. I'm taking out. I don't have Constance Wu. Oh, you don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think they're going to go for Hustlers in a big way, other than Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. And the other one that I think is really kind of shaky is Emma Thompson. She is shaky. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you that. Absolutely. I'm not even so sure about Anna de Armas either because she is the sort of like young hot thing that they like to honor. But I oh wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Quick question, quick question: Is Meryl Streep supporting or lead for the laundromat? Oh God, that, like no, don't even do <laughs> think about it. No, no, think no. about it. She no. has to be supporting. Like there is no lead in that movie. <laughs> No, okay. I'm, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not even. No, Look, I, I like that more than anyone on this site, but that's not happening. All right. And then uh, what about a cat's mention? No. No. 
I mean, I'm not going to say entirely no, because the Globes would probably love to say, hey, we saw this movie and you didn't, and here's yeah. proof. If anyone's going to do it, it would be the Globes. They did that with Vice last year. If they're <laughs> going to do it, they're going to throw a weird nomination in Best Supporting Actor to Idris Elba. That would definitely be weird. Or to <laughs> Supporting Actress or Jennifer Hudson. I'm surprised you guys think that Constance Wu is uh, weak here for Hustlers, actually. I mean, I have her in my lineup. I actually don't really think Anna de Armas is that strong. I'm kind of surprised. A lot of people seem to think she's guaranteed to get in. I don't think she's guaranteed at all. Like, it is a very HFPA young, pretty thing, nomination thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I... I mean, but, like, she's a like a breakout star from that movie, sure. But it's not like she's on every cover of every magazine right. breakout, it's, it's, you know. Uh, yeah. She's not the level of star that they usually like to go for. Yeah. All right. Moving over to actor in a musical comedy. Um, I have. Oh, this 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 continues to get tougher and tougher all the time. But I have Taron Egerton for Rocket Man. I've got Eddie Murphy for Dolomite is my name. I have Daniel Craig for Knives Out. I have Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then when I get to the last slot, I am torn between two, but I think I'm going to go with Himish Patel for yesterday. That is my five. Interesting. If they really love Jojo Rabbit, maybe Roman Griffin Davis. That was the one I was toying with. Let's give the kid something he deserves. Yeah, He really does deserve it. But yeah, that that's who I'm leaving off the board here. I do think it would be like either one of them would make a lot of sense to me. Yesterday was also a really big hit. And I think that's going to be something to go in its favor. And a lot of the notices were really for him as a breakout star, too, for that film. Let's move over for the sake of time uh, to best performance in a motion picture drama actor. Uh, let's kick it over to Josh Parm. Who do you have? Uh, so I have uh, Adam Driver, I have Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Antonio Banderas, got Jonathan Price, and Robert De Niro. I am a little different here. Um, I have Driver, I have Joaquin, I have De Niro, I have Price. Really? I am going to move Adam Sandler in for Uncut Gems. Ooh. Over Antonio Banderas. Who I think is going to get uh, SAG and Critics' Choice, yes. But I think he'll – I think oh, and, and BAFTA, but I think he'll miss here. Interesting. I could see that, actually. I didn't originally have Sandler on my motion picture for drama, but I could – I feel like this is the place if he could break in, this is where he is going to do it. It's possible, but I don't think so. I don't think it's – I mean, it could happen, but I don't know. It's tight. You know, someone has to fall out in order for him to come in. I don't think that there is a seventh contender waiting, though. Yeah, not Christian Bale? I have him in my I, – I really do not see any buzz for him or – I mean, it would be a very Globes like thing to do. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just don't see – I have I have a I actually have a harder time seeing it than I probably should if I'm being completely honest with you. I don't. It is a big, broad, entertaining performance, 
in a big, broad, entertaining movie, and he's a big star, and the Globes like him. I could see it happening. I don't have him in, but if he's my sixth in over Sandler. Yeah, I have him in over Sandler for sure. Okay. I just don't see that movie walking away with nothing. We all agree that Driver and Joaquin are like the only safe people, though, right? I think De Niro. De Niro save. De Niro. Okay. All right. Actress. What do you got, uh, Bear? Okay. I have Scarlett Johansson from Married mm-hmm. Story. I have Charlize Theron for Bombshell. Mm-hmm. I have Renee Zellweger for Judy. Mm-hmm. And after that is where I really don't know what to do. Um, That's why we're I, here. I am currently saying that it's going to be Saoirse Ronan for Little Women and Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Those are my five as well. But I really think Lupita Nyong'o is solidly in the hunt as is. Well, I I haven't been able to find where um, if Gloria Bell is considered drama or comedy, but Julianne Moore is definitely like that feels like a Globes thing to do, and I think it was drama. I think I don't remember it being listed. Honestly, um, mm. I'm not sure. I have Lupita Leongo over Arifo. I will Same say that. Here. See, I think the Lupita. Gets in a critic's choice. Um, I'm going to just use history as a you know benchmark here um, for her not getting any Globes. But if she does get any Globes, that's huge. It's massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think this is a category that is going to hurt some people. And I think that uh, I, I agree with uh, Zellweger, Johansson, Ronan, and Theron. But I think that we're going to get a real stinker of a nomination for Helen Mirren for The Good Liar. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh that hurts. <laughs> they give Helen Mirren nominations for anything. Everything. Like, I'll say this. She's very good in The Good Liar. Oh, yeah. Liar. But it'll be but like a wasted God, spot. That movie. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be a wasted spot, but it's Helen Mirren in the Golden Globes and they love her. Oh, God, that's true. <laughs> Man, Josh, I, I love. God damn it! <laughs> I'm sorry. God damn it! It makes logic. so much sense. Why are you bringing logic to these things? <laughs> <laughs> it makes so much sense. Uh, damn. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. Ooh. All right. So for musical or comedy, who wants to do it? So I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I have Rocket Man. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, and then the last two, um, that's where it give, makes me angry and confused. I'm going to right now say Knives Out, and Dolomite is my name. I, God, I really, really want Dolomite badly. I do too, bud. But I have this feeling, I have this feeling they're going to wave the we saw cats and you didn't finger at us and i'm putting cats in there no (laughs) makes a lot of sense that is gonna happen i don't want to do logic guys (laughs) (laughs) i mean it it pains me because then i don't have booksmart getting a single nomination in this instance uh i would love to see hustlers get in there but i don't have that happening either in that instance that's my fifth 
slot. I'm just going to be bold and put it in there. Okay. I was yeah, just going to my as my name in Hustlers. I had Hustlers in, but you know what, Matt? I think I'm going to agree with you and put Cats in there because, yeah, that, that makes so much sense. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Man, Cats is like the gift that just keeps on giving. It really is. Yep, yeah, yeah, truly mm-hmm. is. <laughs> Drama. Josh, I want to hear it. Okay. Um, so for my drama lineup, I've got The Irishman, Marriage Story, 1917, The Two Popes, and I got Joker. That makes sense. Can I be very honest? I, After hearing uh, a little talk just now about 4v Ferrari – um, I am going to make a change, actually. I am going to remove the two popes, and I'm going to put 4v Ferrari in its place. 4v Ferrari makes a lot of sense, too, with this group. Yeah. Mm. So um, that that I have the exact same four as you do, but I will remove two popes uh, for Ford v Ferrari because, you know, like what you guys were talking about, about Bale before, yes, I could totally see that happening, but um, I think the score uh, picture uh, lineup uh, – Sounds a little bit more right to me. And also, too, watch out for James Mangold and director. I know we didn't mention it before, but yeah. that could totally happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So that concludes uh, Golden Globes. Anybody have anything else possibly squeezing in there, though? Anybody have Little Women? I do. All right. What's your What's your lineup? Uh, 1917, mm-hmm. Ford v. Ferrari, Little Women, The Irishman, and Marriage Story. I could see that happening. You know, if Joker if Joker doesn't get the Golden Globe nomination, uh, then it really is then going to just be a Joaquin play, um, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to look back at – I know Golden Globes, we don't put a lot of stock into them necessarily in terms of, like, predictions. But Golden Globes have been a place in recent years where if it got in there, it made – it did go all the way to an Oscar nomination. You know, like like Black Panther getting into the drama lineup yep. last year was huge yep, for absolutely. it. Absolutely. Mad Max Fury Road getting in was also massive. It needed that validation status mm-hmm. to get in. Um, so, you know, and you think back to instances where things didn't make it in, like The Dark Knight did not get a Golden Globe nomination. You know, I, I understand, you know, back then, you know, five nominees, not mm-hmm. the sliding scale that we have now, but still. And then, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody last year. Mm-hmm. You know, we all, we all thought to ourselves, oh, there's no way that's going to happen. Well, Globes were the f- first ones to pull the trigger. So another group that pulled the trigger last year on Bohemian Rhapsody was the Screen Actors Guild. They nominated for Best Ensemble. (laughs) So for SAG, less categories. Uh, Let's talk about uh, what we think is going to happen here. This is the big one. This is literally where every time on the podcast we say this person needs SAG if they want to get an Oscar nomination. Well, here we are. So let's start off first with – oh, man. Why don't we start off with – Supporting actor. Let's uh, let's let's just pull the bandaid off. Let's get it over with. <laughs> Josh, what do you got? All right. So I've got Al Pacino for The Irishman, Brad Pitt for One Spot Time in Hollywood. Uh, I've got Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, and Jamie Foxx for Just Mercy. That is what I have. <laughs> it's a really that's a really good lineup. I am toying with the idea of removing Hopkins, but that is a good lineup. Oh, man. 
I'm trying to make my Defoe narrative happen here, people. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I just feel like SAG is going to be a place with, that's going to be a serious roadblock for the lighthouse. Yeah. If, if you were, all right, hypothetically, if you were going to make room for Defoe, who would you bump? Um, probably Hopkins. You know what? I'll just I'll, I'll just do the one difference than you. Then I'll, I'll I'll do Defoe instead of Hopkins, and we'll we'll see who's right. <laughs> okay, we'll see. I'm gonna be wrong. I already know this. <laughs> but... I also could see it being Hanks that falls out. Because for no good reason, that movie has no buzz. That was pretty loud and clear, Dan. It was very loud and clear. I understand your pain because Shia LaBeouf has like no buzz right now, too. And I have him in the supporting role and he's not going to get it. So it's. Yeah, I don't have him in mind for SAG. That absolutely could happen, though, because his that story is something that SAG would really relate to. Yeah. Um, I feel like he himself hasn't been getting out there enough from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't seem like he's really out there promoting the movie. He's sort of like, you know, this is a painful thing and not sure that I really want to go back there mode, um, which could hurt that. Well, obviously he's not in my lineup, but I would also say Sam Rockwell for Richard Jewell makes a lot of sense here. Sam Rockwell, just in general lately, seems to make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, remember when we were toying with the idea of Sam Rockwell being in play for Jojo Rabbit? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting <laughs> how he's now like an Oscar magnet when he couldn't get nominated to save his life. Yeah. Yep. I, I could also see like, I could see Taika Waititi happening. I, I'm not quite giving up on Taika Waititi and supporting actor. Just because he is a big old scene stealer in that movie. I don't think that performance is going to resonate with people at all in, in that way. Yeah, I don't think so for SAG. Uh, supporting actress. Anyone want to reveal their five? Uh, I have Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Margot Robbie, I guess in Bombshell. I think Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell I'm going to put in there. And Zhao Shuzin in The Farewell. See, this is, like, interesting because, like, I, I I, I have my doubts about both Florence Pugh and Zhao Shuzin here. The problem I'm running into is I don't know, then, who else to put in instead. Maggie effing Smith. Yeah. I'm looking at Maggie Smith, too. You know, I... I'm actually – I'm really sorry. I made it sound like I had no option there. But um, <laughs> no, and it's because I've completely written that movie off, uh, if I'm being completely honest with you all. I forgot that that movie was actually in play. Um, it made a lot of money. It made a lot of money and people love it. Yeah, them. no, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll put Maggie in my fifth slot. That makes that makes a lot of sense to the me. The other one that I'm toying with is Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, you know. Joe. I don't think that happens here. I think Globes makes more sense, but I, I don't I don't see that happening. I agree. It makes more sense at Globes, but like I <laughs> double nomination, you know, I can see it. I just it's see happened. it. Happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Maggie Smith. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, OK, so for best actor, I'll, I'll reveal mine, I guess. I've got Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro. It's like it's like okay, Matt. Yeah, we we know that already. <laughs> uh, I do have. Um, oh man, just come on, just say it. I, okay, all right, fine. 
I have Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I have Eddie Murphy for Dolomite is by name. Oh, that's good. I have uh, Banderas instead of Murphy. And I have Price instead of Murphy. Yeah, me. I have Price instead of Murphy. I have Christian Bale just because I'm holding out hope for that movie, <laughs> I guess. It, Christian Bale would make sense. Turn Egerton would make sense. There's a lot of things that make sense. Hell, with the way that things have been going lately, Adam Sandler could even make sense right now. I yeah. really, I have, I could absolutely see Adam Sandler happening, but I need to see a little more momentum for him. Not just from New York based groups. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nomination Sandler. That is huge. Yeah. Just to be clear though, like I am, I, I, I see a world where like the actor lineup for SAG, like I know, like I said before, I know we're looking at SAG as like, Oh, if they get it at SAG, like that boosts their chances for an Oscar nomination with best actor. I don't think so. I think that, Anyone who gets a nomination anywhere, whether it's Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, BAFTA, or SAG, is on the table. If somebody like doesn't land uh, a certain amount of nominations or mentions from somewhere, um, then I think their chances lower dramatically. But just because you get in at SAG, I, I could see a world where like three of the actors that get in in the uh, male acting category at SAG don't get an Oscar nomination. Yeah, it's super. Oh, easily, it's year. a stacked field. Is everyone's lineups a little bit different? Yeah, it seems like most of us yeah, have like, like a core group of four, and then there's one like yeah, you know, our top outlier. three and four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're pretty solid on the threes and fours, but when it gets to like five, it gets a little different. Yeah. So just to be clear, um, I have uh, Eddie Murphy. Josh, you have in the fifth slot. Uh, Jonathan Price. Dan. I have Driver Phoenix De Niro DiCaprio Murphy. Oh, so you have the same five as I do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lauren? I have Banderas in the fifth spot. And Rebecca? Christian Bale. Yeah, that Bale mention. Oh, I could totally see it happening. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves him. Yep. He's one of the best actors of our generation. Absolutely. Lead actress. Not as hard, I don't think. Famous last words. <laughs> Just the fifth spot. <laughs> Renee Zellweger. Scarlett Johansson, yep, yep. Charlize Theron, yeah. keep saying it, Saoirse Ronan, and I am personally gonna put my uh, stick my neck out there for Lupita Nyong'o and us here. That's my exact five. That That's is my five too. Is where she happens, but I don't have Saoirse Ronan. Mm. I have Alfre Woodard. See, I have Saoirse getting in here. I don't have her getting in at Oscar. Really. See, I and I have the opposite. <laughs> oh, fun times. Uh, let's move over to cast. Let's close it out here. What do we have for cast? I mean, Jesus Christ! Th- throw a dart at the board. <laughs> I have two things that I'm sure about. Mm-hmm. And though, okay, no, I lied. Three things. Um, actually, no. Looking at this, I I lied again. I have. Sorry, I have four things that I'm sure about. <laughs> this is getting turning out to be very, very strange as I look at this list. I'm like, no, I'm not sure about that. Yes, I am sure about that. Um, I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Bombshell, and The Irishman for certainties. Okay. And then the fifth slot. <laughs> um, hmm. 
I don't know. Um, I feel like it could be Knives Out. I have Knives Out in. I have Knives Out in, but I also but I also have Hustlers in place of Marriage Story. Yes. Inter- I don't see Marriage Story getting in. Oh, I definitely see Marriage Story getting in. Marriage Story seems to me like the kind of movie, uh, Irishman too, to a certain extent, where the actors get nominated in all the categories they need to. Uh, but for some reason, it misses an ensemble nomination. Think about The Favorite last year as a great example or Shape mm-hmm. of Water. Yeah, yeah but. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm banking on. I'll be honest. I have a very different lineup from like everybody else here. Like, What do you I got? Have, well, I got Hollywood and Irishman, but I've also got Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, and Dolomite. <laughs> They're all on the table. Dolomite would be fun. Dolomite would be very fun. I don't I don't know if it's that's I don't know that that's going to get an ensemble. The the one of mine that I'm shakiest on is probably Bombshell. I feel like that could happen where like, you know, Margot Robbie and Charlize get in, but that's seen as it. But yeah, that's hand, how like, that's how I'm starting to feel, too. Um, yeah, like you have Lithgow and Kidman and Kate McKinnon and like all these other people that actors love. We also can't discount Just Mercy. That's yeah. very true and I, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be very bold here um can't discount avengers endgame no okay all right no I, you uh, <laughs> no, okay you really can't and like because everybody in hollywood is in that fucking movie i know but <laughs> okay i mean you know me i've i've been very skeptical about it and i see no reason to change that tune that's fine that's well and good i'm skeptical skeptical about it for oscars i'm not quite as skeptical about it at sag I don't have it, but it could definitely happen. I mean, I will say this. The only film that I actually feel good about showing up here is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's literally Same. the only one that yeah, I feel confident about. Yep. I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right. I'm going to just reiterate this one more time now that I've heard everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh yeah, I'm going to stick with um, – no, see, like now I'm starting to go back on The Irishman now. Um, you know what? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hustlers, Knives Out. God, could The Farewell or Parasite also make a play here? I would love it if Parasite yeah. play here. I don't think The Farewell has much of a shot at all, unfortunately. Do I want to be bold and predict – no, I don't want to be bold and predict Parasite. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, predict, I'll predict Parasite to get a shout out at SAG. Um, that sucks, but – it's what it is. Uh, it's what it is. Yeah, it's what it is. Um, I'll have Marriage Story and Irishman uh, miss. And uh, no, I'll leave. You know what? I'll leave Irishman in. And I will. Um, I, I think I'm going to slide Joe. No, because then there's Little Women and Bombshell. And those are like two predominantly female led films. And oh, my God, I don't know. It's Remember tough. that actors yeah. don't necessarily think about, well, I have to vote for this because it's all women. That's a film Twitter thing. No, but they do go for um, – what they do What they do, do is they definitely go for diverse casts in terms of – you know, you have – like, and I'm not just saying that in, in regards to the specific movies. I'm saying in regards to the full lineup. When you take a step back at the full five mm-hmm. each year, there's like a wide range of uh, casts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. So be bold and pick us. <laughs> oh man, 
Wouldn't that be great? Oh my god. I I'm not gonna do bombshell. Um I, I think I'll you know what? I'll do little women. Actually. I'll do I little could, women. I could really see that happening. A lot of star power in that movie. Bombshell getting little women going in, yeah. A lot of respected people, a lot of respected talent could totally happen. And street. <laughs> exactly. All right. That'll do it for our predictions there for Golden Globe for SAG. Uh, let's talk about a final trailer here uh, for this for this week. We've got the trailer for The Assistant. It premiered at the Telluride Film Festival. It's going to be heading again to the Sundance Film Festival this year. Um, and then it will release a month afterwards starring Julia Garner. Let's take a look at this one. Welcome. Have a seat. Whatever's going on, you can tell me. That's what I'm here for. You're relatively new to the company. I mean, I've been working here for nearly two months. And you're under a lot of stress. Entry-level jobs in this industry are tough, right? Long hours? First one in, last one out. Good night. You're smart. You have to be smart. It's a tough job, but I can see that you've got what it takes. I want those new pages before I get on the plane. He promised the first thing. Where are we at? 200K and two points. Maybe you can put in a good word for you. No, he'll hire externally. Listen, his schedule has shifted. Does 7 p.m. work? Still at the hotel, or? Yes. What? This is turkey. I said chicken. <laughs> There's a girl waiting. Oh, her. She's been here before, a few times. What is it? The wife. Say he's in an important meeting. No, say he's in a screening. Where is he? What did you say to him? What did you say? They told me you were smart. I overreacted. It was not my place to question your decision. I will not let you down again. You now you can always come to us, right? Come to us first, okay? The last two checks don't have a name or anything. Just the dollar amount. Uh, ignore it. Okay, and will he know what it's for? Yep, he'll know. I wouldn't sit there. Never sit on the couch. <laughs> here and here, initial here, sign there. Do I need a lawyer or something? Do you have a lawyer? What happened? I was worried for this girl. <laughs> I mean, they were just like laughing about it. Can you deal with this? Hi, why me? Who was that? Oh, that wasting my time. Mom and I, we're excited for you. It's a great opportunity. What can we do? Do about what? I love this trailer so much. I love the way that, because I've been told that you never actually see um, her boss that she's an assistant to. Um, that's supposed to be a stand-in for like Harvey Weinstein, essentially. Uh, so the way that the tra- trailer is edited, clever in a very clever way, it gets around that. I think very, very nicely. Yeah, th- this is one of the best edited trailers I've seen in a long time, and it preserves like you know exactly what the movie is about, but also nothing about what the movie is about, and I that's a really tough trick to pull off. I do wonder, though, how this will translate to people who don't already know what this movie is. Like, I feel like we're all very interested in knowing and and seeing this movie because we know the context of, you know, that it's basically Harvey Weinstein, even though we don't say it. I had never heard about this movie before. Oh, really? Oh, no? I saw the trailer. Nope. Mm. Oh, 
Yeah, no, this was all the rage at um, Telluride. It was one of those movies that did not get a premiere, um, like, launch pad, like, the same way that Waves or Uncut Gems did. But um, it was playing at the smaller um, theaters there at Telluride. So word of mouth uh, quickly started to spread about it. Um, and it turned out to be, like, one of the movies that, you know, you, you – you couldn't miss it if you had a chance to see it, see it. The problem was is that it was playing all these very tiny, small theaters, and they kept having to turn people away. It was really, really hard to get in. So did you see it? No, I didn't because I didn't have um, – I, I, I would have been turned away. <laughs> I remember the, mul- the two times I had a chance to see it, um, I didn't have enough time to get there early enough. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I wasn't able to squeeze it in. I'm going to probably see it at Sundance though. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'm also looking forward to seeing Matthew McFadden. Mm, yeah love him on succession love him love yeah, julia garner and julia garner is amazing um yeah, she's so so year. good on uh ozark and the americans yeah um uh well i'm i am curious dan like you said uh or josh raver um in regards to how people will respond to this movie especially if they don't know exactly what it is about um but we'll see it, it could play niche you know but overall i think it will be uh something worth checking out of course so oh, yeah. i'm interested in seeing it like like Dan said, mm-hmm. this is a really well-cut trailer, so I'm I'm yeah. very very intrigued. Thank Absolutely, you. it looks like it's really well made. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a little worried about like the monotony of like just following a character as they're doing like office work and things like that, and how riveting uh, those aspects will be. But uh, you know, it's got good good reception so far, so uh, we'll see how it all uh, plays out. Okay, now to take us home. Gonna answer a few quick uh, questions here uh, from some folks that sent in. Uh, they want to know what our thoughts are on certain developments over the past week. So let's start off with Richard Houlihan. The Safety Brothers won screenplay at National Board of Review and Best Director at New York Film Critics Circle. Should we start predicting them for an Oscar nomination in either category? I'm gonna go with no. Not right now. Yeah, yeah not yet. Yeah. All right. This one's from Luca uh, Gilberti. What is your current take on supporting actress? Sure, Laura Dern seems like the obvious frontrunner, but I can't help but notice that there's a little passion for her performance in Marriage Story, at least on the internet, keyword. <laughs> Who would be the spoiler then? You know, when Marriage Story did uh, land on Netflix this week, I did see a lot of people let down by Laura Dern's uh, performance. I think mm-hmm. it might have been the victim of it being a little overhyped. Yeah. So that's, this is a good question, I think, right now uh, to ask ourselves. Um, what do we what do we think here? Do we think the momentum is still strong for Dern? For a nomination, sure. For a win, I still think she is – her biggest competition is Margot Robbie. Agreed. Mm. You don't think it's Jennifer Lopez? Nope. I the, well, I, and I'll say this because I've seen Bombshell and review coming Monday when the embargo breaks, but – that performance has everything Oscar voters like. Everything. And she's at the exact right age for it, too. Yeah, that's true. Right point in her career and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Previous nominee. Yeah. And she's yeah. having a big year with two movies. Huh? Yeah, big year with two movies. It'll be seen as a way to honor the body of work. The key is she has to get the nomination for bombshell i don't think she wins if she's nominated for once upon a time in hollywood agreed all right uh scott kernan asks with the critics groups releasing their best feature nominations are we absolutely sure of the core six being 1917 marriage story the irishman once upon a time in hollywood parasite and jojo rabbit are safe i always get the feeling that due to the unpredictability 
one of these might miss. I wouldn't have Jojo Rabbit in the top six. I don't think that one's safe. Yeah, I don't think Jojo Rabbit is safe at all. It the the buzz has kind of cooled. I think it maybe came out too early. Um, I, I I think it's great, and I really want it to be one of the the big ones. But I don't know. I don't have it in top six. Yeah, I don't. It's on the lower end. On it's still on the list. It's always there. I just wouldn't put it so far up, and I think it would be a nice surprise if it gets in for best picture. Yeah, I think it's it's looking good, but it's not a lock like the others are. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I think it's going to get what it needs once the uh, Golden Globes and the uh, the guilds uh, start to weigh in. During these uh, critics awards, I never expected JoJo to do particularly well. In fact, I suspected that it would lose some momentum and some buzz, and de- that has definitely happened. And that's what I think is bringing this all into question. But in the end, I think JoJo Rabbit is fine. I think it will bounce back with the guilds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Daniel B. Film and Sports 21 asks, what is the category that's driving you the most insane right now in your predictions? <laughs> it would be easier to say what category is not driving me insane. <laughs> uh, what is the one that is driving me insane? I would probably say, I mean, for a while I was saying supporting actor, but that's starting to, that's starting to kind of come into focus for me a little bit more, I have to say. I mean... My answer is something that's a below-the-line category. Yeah. And that's visual effects. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mine is actually, I think the one that's driving me the most crazy is editing. Yeah, editing is rough. Yeah, that, because that is, a lot of films too. feel like they could be like the lone editing nominee this year. Remember last year, the films that missed that we were like so sure were yeah. going to get in? It was shocking that certain movies got the nomination over them. Yeah. The only yeah. thing I'm sure about with that category is that 1917 is not <laughs> getting in. <laughs> Which they're still trying to make happen now. They are. And like good like good for them. They should. Like they absolutely should. That is hard work. That's yeah. done really, really well. But I don't think it's going to happen. I mean the big problem I find with film editing is that this category <laughs> is no longer tied to best picture like it used to be. So Right. There's a mm. lot more wiggle room as to who can get in and who can win this category even. It's not just, oh, what's winning Best Picture and then just put that in there. It's very, very different now. For me, it's always something along. It's either one of the screenplays, but I always get angry when it comes to costumes because they refuse to nominate contemporary costumes. Mm. Yeah. So every time I see them, I'm just like, I see really awesome contemporary films. Like, Hustlers had a bomb-ass fashion group. Like, those were great costumes. And I know I'm not going to see it on that ballot, and it's already making me art, like, piss. Like, we need to nominate contemporary costumes. And I would say the category that's giving me a headache right now is cinematography because of lack of uh, Best Picture nominees contending for the category. Yeah. (laughs) Which puts into doubt how I feel about other things doing doing well there. Like, I want to predict Ad Astra. But mm. there has not been a single FYC. I don't believe the screener ever went out. I just, I so I, I'm like, all right, what do I do with that film now? There, do I think the lighthouse is going to go all the way? Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, it's like, what's going on with the Hidden Life? It feels like that movie's non-existent right now, but it, it could easily end up there. Like- <laughs> I know, I know, but still, it's like cinematography is just the one that's making me scratch my head the most lately, just because. It feels like it's 1917 and 
everything else. Everything else. <laughs> I would say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably safe, too. Yeah, even though I don't understand the love for that movie's cinematography at all. I don't even, Dan. It's Richardson. okay. I know. Right. I know. Last question. Uh, Jared Kozel asks, what are our thoughts on Scott Feinberg's report that the Academy is favoring the consolidation of sound editing and sound mixing? <laughs> While I'm not in favor of eliminating categories, I think this particular change might be inevitable. What other additions or subtractions, if any, could you possibly say? Okay. I have been on the record for a long time that I am in favor of them combining sound, the sound categories. I know this is not universal, but for me, I have always felt that, yes, they are two different skills, but they are two skills that go together that have to work together to create a unified sound design for a movie. And I have always felt it has made sense to combine them. Now, tell me why you vehemently disagree, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Matt and I have similar feelings on this. (laughs) But here's the thing, though. I don't disagree with combining them because I do believe that you can still judge uh, that category, if it was one category, with the two ideas in mind of sound creation and balancing of sound levels, and which film took both of those aspects and did it best in the same movie, okay? The problem is, is that it's the reasoning why this is happening that's giving me a lot of pause. It's the fact that for years, myself... Many others have year after year after year done our best to explain to people sound editing, sound creation, sound mixing, balancing of different sounds, including music, dialogue, everything else, so that this way it's not just noise (laughs) altogether. (laughs) And I don't understand why there has been... I like I I think to me that's very simple to understand. Why can't people understand it? Yeah. And... I feel like the branch, I know the branch it was reported is in favor of this happening, maybe because they're just tired of fighting this battle. Um, the reasoning that was put forward was because they already work together so closely as is. And you know what? It's like, if they don't have a problem with it, I begrudgingly will then not have a problem with it. But I still say begrudgingly because what it feels like to me is it feels like a battle has been fought. It feels like it is lost. Everyone's giving up and they're just saying now at this point, you know, we're not being rewarded for our work in the right way, the way that we should be, because people just don't understand what it is we do. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we'll combine it all into one. It, it, the reasoning upsets me, because yeah. that's what it seems like. The, absolutely the same as what I feel. And, like, it feels like they're capitulating to people who don't want to learn the difference between the two. Because at this point, like... So many people. And I'm sorry, if you are a voting member in this industry, you need to take the time to actually understand the craft of filmmaking. I, I'm sorry. It's true. Like, and and don't come up with some, uh, you know, lazy excuse. I, I just like, I, I've heard time and time again, like all these reasonings from people about it. And it just comes back down to why are like, uh, I know it's convenient. I understand the convenience aspect of it for some people out there, but why are we rewarding lazy behavior? Yeah. Especially when, like, the, there are so many people who have put forward exactly what the difference is between the two in a way that Academy members should be able to hear it. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I feel like if they're going to 
merge these two categories into one, then maybe merge your two guilds too. Hmm. That wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, another thing I'm also in favor of if they do decide to go through with this is if people who would have gotten a nomination before still get a nomination. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's in question. Well, I, I I'm just saying for the record, like that better not be like because what it what it also fundamentally what I'm also upset about is because there is no effort taken to understand the differences between the two categories. To me, that's very disrespectful to the people that work on it. I agree. But, you know, I, I think that there is another wrinkle here is that, like, yes, the Academy at large doesn't really do a good job to learn what the difference is between the two categories. But I would also say that the branch itself sees this as one category in the way that they nominate the movies. We usually see four out of five movies nominated in both categories. And, you know, in 2017, it was five for five. So I feel like even the branch themselves are saying that these are basically two things that they judge not as uh, separately in terms of um, the success of a movie. They really see them as working together themselves. But on the other hand, the time when they do nominate, like those lone sound mixing or sound editing nominations are always the ones that you're like, that, yes, that is the deserving. And that shows the difference between the two of these categories. I, I will definitely agree with that in the sense that I will forever miss those wacky lone sound editing uh, nominations that make a movie like A Quiet Place an Oscar nominee. You know what I mean? Mm. And in a very deserving category to do so, where I can't say the same thing would happen if there was just one category. You know, it's like then you lose out on other things like Drive getting an Oscar nomination for sound editing or um, Sully got one. You know, there's been a l long line of movies that have just gotten like one and not the other. And that was like yeah. their only nomination that the film itself received. So in a small way, that's like something that's like a nitpicky aspect for me. Um, but it really just comes down to the principle of the matter. And um, I agree that if, you know, if the branch is OK with this, if this is really their decision and it's not a um, like a forfeiting of the of the battle to get people to understand, it really is just, hey, you know what? Like we all work very, very closely together. We've viewed this all as one team effort sort of a thing. And nobody misses out on a nomination if uh, their movie gets selected. I will be OK with that. Yeah. I mean, essentially, that's what BAFTA does. The BAFTA combines it into one sound category mixers and editors together they all win if the movie wins and i think that is the best way to do it i also think too michael schwartz brought up an interesting point uh which is something that i do want to just acknowledge because i thought it was a good point which is sound editing and sound mixing are two separate categories but for example makeup and hairstyling is one category and is not separated into two for makeup and then for hairstyling or <laughs> you know? production design and set decoration. Correct. Right. So when you break it down like that, this category is then kind of just falling in line then with everything else in that regard. And that that does make sense to me. It does make sense. I just want the reasoning to not be, we have tried so hard to get people to understand these categories. They don't understand it anymore. So we're going to just make it one. Yeah. I, I just like, I, yeah. I, I really disagree with that. Yeah. So that's all I have to say on that matter. We'll see what happens. 
Okay, that'll do it for this really, really jam-packed, crazy episode. Thank you, everyone, so much for uh, getting, <laughs> for going along the journey with us this far in. Um, obviously, this uh, podcast will be rendered useless by the time most of you maybe hear it on Monday because <laughs> of uh, Golden Globe nominations. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you so much for sticking with us regardless. Uh, Dan Bear, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at DanceAndDanOnFilm. Rebecca Daniel, how about yourself? You can find me on Twitter at RebeccaDaniel95 and on my website, showmethemovies.net. Josh Parham? I am on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And Lauren LaMagna? You can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lamango. And you can find me in Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 171 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us, including podcast reviews for Star Wars The Force Awakens to help us get ready for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And on Christmas, a special review of the throwback classic masterpiece it's a wonderful life thank you once again for listening as always we shall see you all next time